Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to day 26 of the 7am Novelist 50 Day Writing Challenge, first draft edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today is the Boston Book Festival. So if you're a local, um, you probably have plans to head out there. Um, and I unfortunately am not going to be able to, to go because um, I've got family commitments. But we do have a lot of our guests from the show are actually being featured there and also some of our listeners. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, we are now on the other side of the bump, on the other side of the middle. Um, and, you know, you hit this point with your books and your stories. There's a point I normally talk about it as a mountain um, in your process of writing. So, uh, Early on in your process, you're, you're, you're walking up the mountain, you can't see where you're going, you're in the shade, you have to deal with the unknown, you have to deal with the fact that you don't know the shape of your work. Um, <clears throat> and for a lot of people, that's highly uncomfortable because they're used to having everything laid out in front of them. But that's also the discovery phase. That's also before you've made any final choices and shut the whole thing down. So that can be a real creative place, even if you can't see the other side of the mountain. Then eventually you get to the top of the mountain and you can actually see the road ahead of you and what you need to do and how you need to revise. Um, so for the challenge, we're, we're on the top of the mountain. For most of you guys, since we're since you're working on your first drafts, you're probably still in that, that shade area of the unknown and of discovery. And I tell you what, I would try to just enjoy it because Nothing has been decided for you yet, and the book can be almost anything at this point, so that can be really fun. Okay, this week we're continuing to talk about what you might need in your early pages, and today we're specifically talking about tension with Katrin Schumann. Katrin Schumann's latest novel, This Terrible Beauty, which is a title I've always loved, has been called luminous, unflinching, and unputdownable, and hard to forget. It was chosen by She Reads as the most an anticipated women's fiction of 2020. Her debut novel, The Forgotten Hours, was a Washington Post and Amazon Charts bestseller. She is also the author of several nonfiction books, her work has been featured multiple times on Today and in Women's Day, the London Times, and on NPR, as well as other national and international media. For the past 10 years, she's been teaching writing, mostly at Grub Street and in local prisons through Penn, New England. She also she lives between Boston and Key West, so she is also constantly traveling the way I do. And she's in the program coordinator of the Key West Literary Seminar and Workshops. Welcome, Katrin. Thank you so much for being with us. She's in Florida right now, and this is why she's wearing a T-shirt. So that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, again, tension is a huge, huge topic. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let Katrin just, just you know, tell us all about it. What? How do you? What do you? Thank how you do you define? Well, how do you find? I have it? to. Yeah. Yeah. Go I for have it. to say. I mean, it's it's funny that. Um, that this is that we're having this conversation at this particular point, um, because I think that it took me a while. It was it was really only um, when I was revising my second novel that I started to think in a more concrete way about what tension and suspense actually meant. You know, I'm I'm one of these writers where my process is basically that the the character and setting lead. Like I need to know where my novel is going to be set and I and I'm the characters start to form in my mind and like as you were explaining at the opening I'm kind of wandering in the dark and yeah. for me that's an actually pretty agonizing time my first draft <laughs> yeah. where I'm like what am I doing and 
where am I going? And I'm, I'm motivated by kind of character and theme and setting. And I, and I'm not one of these people who thinks particularly carefully about, oh, I've got to make this more uh, tension filled or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, then I go back and, and a lot of my deepest and hardest work happens once I've completed the first or second draft and I'm in revision mode. And that's where I usually think about questions like tension, um, in, in a much more concrete way, really parsing the book chapter by chapter and also kind of overall to look um, for tension. So for me, my my kind of rudimentary definition of tension is what is it that is going to make readers turn pages? Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of for me, it's that simple. Now, there are many different ways that you can employ tension, you know, so you can it get very complicated about the ways that you approach it. But the basic question is, like, I, you know, I, I remember many years ago um, sent, sending out uh, drafts of, of, a, of an essay, I mean, a, a novel that never got published. And I found it in my closet, the, uh, you know, a year ago. And written on it was, why keep reading? You know, like, <laughs> You have yeah. to give the readers a reason to turn the pages and beautiful sentences or interesting characters is not enough to get them to be invested in the story. And so for me, tension means um, posing, putting your characters into complicated situations where they don't get what they want and where the reader becomes invested in the character and seeing that that character gets what he or she wants. So it's like, there's a question always on every page. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Um, Is this person who I'm, this character who I'm beginning to care about going to to get what they want or not? Yes, so those questions are pivotal. And I do think a lot of writers think that they have to answer those questions right away. And again, I've referred to the workshop disease before in which you, you bring your work into a workshop and you have everyone in the room are asking questions and the, and the writer's like, oh, I have to answer all these questions. Well, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if there are questions of just basic clarity in terms of what is happening in a scene, like what's happening right before us, um, not, not what is motivating the characters or necessarily what's gonna happen next, but mm-hmm. if, if they're basic clarity questions, yes, but they might also be questions that are propelling the reader forward and you do not want to answer them yet. And the fact that they are asking those questions in the workshop is a good thing because it means they want to read more, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I have a, a, a pretty um, uh, perfect story about um, just just realizing that my book didn't have tension and having to like figure out how to add tension, which is um, this terrible beauty, which you um, introduced um, at the opening is actually a book that I wrote before the forgotten hours, but it was only published as my second novel. Yeah. Um, And so I had, I had written this, this terrible beauty uh, and I tried to sell it and it had, had not sold. And I'd put it in a, in a drawer for about five years and not looked at it. And then I worked on, on the first um, novel to be published, which is The Forgotten Hours, which is contemporary and really pretty different um, and unfolds in, a, in, a, in quite a different kind of way. Um, and when I was on the phone with my publisher, they said, oh, what are you working on now? And I thought to myself, OK, this like it's an opportunity here to maybe to pitch 
this terrible beauty. They don't need to know that I've already written, um, you know, multiple drafts of it. Um, and so in that conversation, I pitched it to them and they said, oh, that sounds interesting. And then the next day I got an email from the editor who said, could you send us a synopsis? Mm. Because it's a little different from your first book. And they were interested in, in offering me a two book deal because sometimes publishers like to do that um, because they like to try to build on the audience for your first book. Um, and I thought, okay, so I have one day to write a synopsis. But it's like, I couldn't take weeks to write the synopsis. No. no. Obviously, I had to get it right back. And, and this writing is my, a synopsis is in itself a nightmare. Yeah. And this is my one chance to get this book that I love with all my heart. I mean, this book is like the, this is the book that I, you know, that I'm proud of and care about and, you know, connects to family themes and all these sorts of things. So I knew it was my one and only chance. And under pressure like that, knowing that I had about three hours to figure out what is it going to take to make this publisher think that this book about East Germany and about, you know, the woman whose life just is one problem after another, what is it going to take to make this book saleable? And it was in that afternoon when I was writing the synopsis that I realized that I needed a driving question. It came to me in that format. I thought, my God, there's not really a driving question to this book. It's yes. this epic book full of sensory details and full of you know romance and drama and blah, blah, blah. But there's not a, an overarching driving question. And once I understood that, I was able to do all sorts. And I, I I wrote the synopsis, I got the deal, then I had to go back to this old manuscript and, and um, put in, the, add these various elements. And knowing that I had to, uh, to create this driving question, I was then able to go in and do things like raise the stakes and make the characters more nuanced and cut out extraneous research, you know, that wasn't really... Um, suiting, you know, supporting the plot and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so it worked, but uh, it was only under pressure that I could really come up with, with it in, a, in encapsulate it in that way. Yeah. And so that driving question is absolutely important. A lot of writers talk about it as the dramatic question. And we're going to be talking um, more about that on November 10th. It's a question that spans hopefully the whole book. It yeah. might really touch upon the story goal or it might not. Um, yeah, my second novel, I, re I realized that my driving question was, I had, it was, an, uh, my second novel, Bottomland, is about two sisters who disappear from the family farm. And so mm -hmm. the question was, what happened to them and where did they go? And I knew I needed to keep that, but I also needed to keep complicating the question. That couldn't yeah. just be the same, the same question. And you also talked before yeah. about why would someone keep reading? Yeah. which is such a sad question that writers <laughs> have to answer all the time. Like I'm interested yeah. in this, but why would anyone yeah. else? And I also suggest for every scene that, yeah. that, and this might not be the first time around, like that this might not be, I mean, some writers are good at allowing these sorts of questions to deepen the scene that they're working on at the time in the first draft mode, but some of them just need to go and they don't need the anxiety of thinking about these things. But yeah. also the question, why are we watching, right? Because um, right? that kind of, remember that your audience is there and we are watching these moments tick by, why are we watching? 
and yeah. and thinking about an audience and thinking about um, can we turn our heads away? I was actually playing um, with some um, my husband's grandkids yesterday, and I was doing a puzzle with his granddaughter, and I needed to keep her watching because she kept getting distracted by the other kids, um, and so I kept having to, in a way, give her a reason to finish the puzzle. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and draw yeah. her back to the puzzle. Um, and it's exactly the same thing. I mean, you cannot just assume that your reader is going to be interested in, in what you're doing. And I, I think that for first time um, novelists, and certainly in my case, um, what happens is, you know, we become, we're sort of obsessives, right? We're just obsessed with the topic or the characters and we're so into it and there's really nothing about it that isn't interesting to us. So we're really, from in my case, I'm creating that draft really kind of more for myself, but there comes a point at which you have to realize if you want this book to be published, first of all, and if you want it to sell, second of all, if you want actually to share it with readers, there has to be something in the book that really connects with readers yeah. and what is going to connect with them beyond um, you know, the, the, the peripherals, it's going to be this question that they're going to want to see answered. And as you say, on every level, mm -hmm. so within each scene, within each chapter, but then book as a whole. And then also you, you pointed something out, which is that the book has to come to some kind of crescendo as well. So you're, you're increasing the stakes and your problems are getting worse and worse and worse. And then at the end, there has to be some, you know, interesting twist or or unex slightly unexpected angle to the final to, to the major question um and that is what makes it really satisfying for readers at the end yes. and that's something I often see in query letters that the query letters don't include uh a plot arc and the, the a new writer is much more focused on the theme and doesn't really yeah. understand that the that the um, agents and editors need to be sure that you understand that there is this arc that's going to carry the reader through from the beginning to the very end of the book. And if you answer that question, yeah, midway through the book, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, right. So right. also, I think about the idea of I, I spoke of this yesterday, the idea of the impossible made inevitable. Um, so if we can predict how that question is going to be answered, um, you're in trouble. Um, and sometimes yeah. you've set up scenes already that kind of begin to um, uh, move us towards predictions. Mm -hmm. um, however, if we're able to predict that, it's going to be, it's going to be a big disappointment. Um, and so what you're looking for is that the reader can't can't possibly think oh my that would be an impossible way for this book to go that would be an impossible thing for the characters to do however when we get to that point at the end we're like this is the only way this book could have gone and we realize we've actually been given small hints by the way along the way by the way the yeah. idea of the impossible made inevitable is very very difficult um <laughs> to do but i i do like to think about it in my writing also the idea of a slant rhyme scene so again if if you've set up a question, you don't want the answer to be exactly what we would predict it to be um, yeah. because you've seeded in possible predictions. Um, if you have, hopefully the answer is, is a slant rhyme to it or a slant to what we possibly right. could have guessed. Right. Um, yeah. So in, in this terrible beauty, um, the way that I had originally written it, um, it was sort of this, you know, epic 
family novel about um, Germans after the war. And what I was really very interested in is what happened to um, German families that they themselves suffered during the war and then ended up by twist of fate on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain. And so, you know, after suffering fascism, now they've got communism. And I just wanted to look at the life of a, of a young woman who has to make difficult choices and ends up marrying somebody she doesn't love at the end of the war. Um, and so my driving question uh, on the day that I came up with the synopsis um, really ends up being she, she's forced to leave her homeland and, and leave behind her family. And the overarching question is, will she ever be reunited with her family, yeah. with her child, which is a very sort of big question. Um, and so, of course, that question is answered at the end, but as you mentioned, with a slant. So yeah. all along, you're supposed to be feeling as a reader, of course, you want this to happen. You're invested in a certain outcome. And you're like, well, you know, surely this must turn out this way. But then how can you make it more interesting so that it's not just she gets her child back and everybody lives happily ever after, or she doesn't get her child back and it's a tragedy, you know? So, so adding those sort of those nuances and surprising the reader a little bit um, is I think what makes them so invested in the story and, and, and caring about it. Yes, yes, exactly. Also, um, so we're gonna talk more about the dramatic question on November 10th. On November 13th, we're also gonna talk about the ticking clock, which mm. is again, if you've given uh, a character your, your, a goal, um, that the character only has certain much amount of time in order to fulfill it. Um, if, they, if your character has 10 years in order to fulfill their goal, then you're, you're really lacking tension there because he could just sit on the couch for the first five years and it's not really gonna work for yeah. you. Um, some other tricks, uh, give your protagonist a secret Mm -hmm. And and it could be something that they've got hidden. It's going to be something that they know about or something that they've done. And if that's found out, that could be the character's undoing. Um, and so hopefully somebody else knows that secret and that that person might be a friend turned antagonist. This might sound like very commercialized sorts of tricks, but you'll see this in literary fiction actually a lot. And you, if you do it in a smart way, it can be done um, really, really well in, in both forms. Um, also, forcing your protagonist to break a rule. Mm -hmm. which is basically every single fairy tale that we've got, right? Mm -hmm. You've got uh, the main character has broken into the garden to get some Rapunzel <laughs> for his <laughs> wife who is pregnant and is raging at him. Damn it, you got to give me some Rapunzel from that crazy old woman's garden over there. Um, and then that causes uh, problems. Um, a character uh, crosses a threshold or breaks a rule in terms of discovering something. You've got Snow White is ba basically breaking a rule by breaking into the dwarves um, house and even leaving home in the first place. So mm -hmm. that is an amazing way. And that these are things that you can find at the beginning having your protagonist have a secret, the ticking clock, setting up the dramatic question. Um, so, so Katrin, you had actually discovered that question, it sounds like at the beginning of your process for that book, right? Because you, you were pre-writing the synopsis for the book idea, right? Well, I had written the book and already tried to sell it. So I had a really right. polished draft okay. that an agent had loved. Yeah. And we tried to sell it and we weren't sure why it wasn't selling. Um, and then eventually we we gave up. Um, and so 
I mean, my original draft had a bunch of questions in it. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it was terrible. I wouldn't have gotten an agent if it really was unreadable, but it just was missing that special sauce or, you know, it was missing something that we couldn't quite put our finger on. And um, the interesting thing is, of course, after having put it away for so many years and then looking at it again, it was so much more obvious to me what needed to go and what needed to have a more sort of propulsive uh, forward motion, you know, where it was slow and where it was not slow. Um, Having a little time away from it really, really helped with that. you know, you mentioned something that um, that I was thinking about when I was thinking about how to talk about tension, which is um, I think that there needs to be tension in every book, no matter what genre. Yes. Right. So in certain genres. And again, this is something that newer novelists hate talking about because we don't really I mean, I never thought of my book in terms of what genre does it fit in. And I yeah. didn't really I didn't write, you know, specifically aiming toward a certain genre. But if, when we sell our books, they categorize them and they, they need to fit into some kind of genre. So, of course, certain genres, domestic suspense or thriller or mysteries or literary or historical or whatever, romance, you know, have different sets of expectations around how you handle tension. Um, But even the most literary book you can find has to have some sorts of questions in it, some reason for the readers to keep turning the pages. And it's usually because the reader has to find out something. And that something can be small, or it can be big, and it can unfold in, in, in a different at a different pace, depending on what kind of book you're writing. Yeah. Um, so Cam in the uh, chat is asking, and this is another big question, how do you analyze your manuscript for sufficient tension? Well, I the, what I do is I look at it um, chapter by chapter, and then I go deeper and I go scene by scene. Yeah. And I think, what is the question that I am posing? Yeah. And when or how am I answering that question? Yeah. And sometimes the question is a big one. And sometimes the question is a small one, like, is she going to get there in time? Or uh, will he meet her? Or, you know, will she lose her job or whatever it might be? Um, But sort of pretty much every scene and certainly every chapter has to have some kind of question that you're answering, in my opinion. Yeah. So you have the larger question that drives the whole book, but then you constantly have smaller questions that you're moving all the way through. Yeah. Um, You know, um, is she going to be able to find, I don't know. Oh my God. I was forced to watch Benji last night and it was the saddest film and I, I couldn't handle it because there's one point in which Benji (laughs) is pushed left outside of the home, pushed out because he's being abandoned again. And Benji, he's, it's raining and the dog looks so unhappy and I was full of tension. I was full of so much tension that I couldn't, I almost couldn't continue watching because I was like, what's going to happen to the dog? What's going to mm-hmm. happen to Benji now? Um, so um, <clears throat> those sorts of things, again, it's again, asking every scene, why am I watching? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is again, a very uncomfortable scene uh, for mm-hmm. people to, to, a very uncomfortable question, question for yeah. people to face. Uh, we have another question in the chat. Um, if you have an LGBTQ, um, a book about LGBTQ mental health, coming of age, 
do I choose genre based on what is selling? Um, I'm told agents don't want to see genre bending. That's a big question in terms of publishing on the other end of this. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think I think you should write. It depends on, on what battles you want to face, but I think you, you need to write what you want to write. Yeah, I mean, that that's, um, I, I, I can't answer that fully. What I can say is that I've had lots of discussions with my agent and with writer friends about this very topic um, because we do you know, in pitching the book to publishers, it does ultimately need to have a kind of a channel that it fits into, even if it doesn't fit, you know, quite perfectly into that channel, there needs to be a way to take the product and, and, um, and share it with readers. And so it needs to have a kind of a vessel, you know, um, but I think that in the query, how you pitch it, um, that's sort of down the line. I, I, I agree with you, Michelle. I think that when you're conceiving of the book, it's it's smart to have these ideas in the back of your head, but leave them in the back of your head for the time being. And I would say just write the book that you really feel you want to write. You can always go back and finesse it and yeah. and kind of you know make it fit a little better here or there um, when you're in the editing process. You can't you can't solve every problem in the early drafts, basically. Yes. And I think it kind of has to come from the heart. Like, I don't know if my book would be the book it is today if I hadn't first written that epic, sprawling, you know, no main question kind of narrative. Um, I don't think I would have been able to write the book that I ultimately ended up publishing. Yeah. Um, some other things about in terms of tension, um, another trick is to be sure that you're creating times of misunderstanding and mistaken communication. Um, and that is basically the whole Three's Company series, which ran for many, 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 many years. It was basically built on that, which was a comedy, of course, and became rather uh, ridiculous. But there's also mm -hmm. a novel William by William Trevor. I'm, I'm a big William Trevor fan. And he has a novel called The Story of Lucy Galt, in which um, at the beginning, a young girl uh, runs away from home as her parents are packing up to move um, to another country. And um, she gets lost and they actually think that she dies. Mm -hmm. um, and because they find something of hers that that predicts that she that she has died or something terrible has happened to her, and so they're forced. The family is actually forced to leave, um, and it turns out something else has happened to her. So that that is that creates the entire novel that misunderstanding. Um, it's rather uncomfortable to read because you're like, oh, if only they knew, and oh, you know. So, but but it works very well for the plot. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also want to talk about the difference between surprise versus suspense and Ketrin, maybe you can speak to this as well so surprise is this your character gets into a taxi at the airport your character is riding along with the taxi do, 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 do. they they're i don't know in boston uh they go under the tunnel they pass by some i don't know people walking on the street do, 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 do. and then the taxi blows up mm -hmm. that's surprise Mm -hmm. That is that is not interesting. That is right, not. So there's no anticipation, right? The reader is not saying, "Oh my God, yes, what's going to happen." So oftentimes with tension, we actually need information first, and I find that writers um, withhold information in order yeah. for us to be interested. But we still need that basic information first in order to have the question raised. So if we know that there's a bomb in the taxi, 
yeah. um, before the woman gets in the taxi. And, it, and this is kind of a silly example, but still, if we know the yeah. bomb is there and we know again, the right. clock, how much time that bomb has before it is to go off, then going under the tunnel and passing by right. other people on the street is all going to have tension. So be yeah. sure to actually give us, because those that information gives us those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, I mean, again, um, this is a big question, but withholding information can be problematic. Like you have to be kind of careful about that. Uh, it's, it, it is good to create, it helps create questions, but it can also be annoying for the reader if the reader um, is just sort of, it, it can feel a little manipulative on the part of yeah. the writer. If the writer plants a bomb at the beginning and then continues to just withhold information and constantly talk about the bomb over and over again. Like um, there's a kind of contract that you have with the reader that you're not going to be um, annoying them with and teasing them in a way that um, ends yeah. up not being compelling, but just sort of irritating. I mean, yeah. I find that when I read books um, that are a little too obvious about that. Yes. And so you could also have like a lot of a lot of novels will have a, a wedding or event at the end that we um, or a party. A lot of novels are or even a birth at the end. And we are worried that it's not going to go quite the way <laughs> that characters think it's going to go mm -hmm. or there are certain expectations set up. So, again, giving us more information so that we can begin to um, think ahead and worry about it. And in the chat, we have, OK, what if the taxi were smoking? That could help. However, we you don't have the clock. Mm -hmm. And you might also just think that the taxi has a bad, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm not a very good automotive, but a taxi has a bad, I don't know gasket or something right um another question another somebody in the chat says well how about if the taxi enters that tunnel and the rider is not in the taxi that i think works a little better because then it launches a question mm -hmm. what, what I think, happened i think also the way that you write certain scenes you can increase the tension in in on a sentence level by the language that you use you know you can set up a certain atmosphere by what you are focusing on in your description. Um, I mean, and that works particularly well in more genre fiction. I, I happen to be reading a book that's sort of thrillerish right now. And, and there's always this layering on of this kind of creepy vibe. And so you can set up expectations in your readers by um, on, on that intense sentence and language level um, by creating a, a tense kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And notice if we don't care about the woman in the taxi, yeah. we don't care if she's disappeared and we don't care if she gets blown up. Right, so you also, you, you think, oh, something cool is happening, but it's not because yeah. we actually, we are not invested in the character at all. That's sort, of, and, that's sort of the number one thing you have to do is create the characters and present them in such a way that the reader is actually going to care about them, whether they're likable or not. That's not really the issue. The yeah. issue is that the reader has to be interested and invested in the character and then wants to find out what happens to the character. Yeah, yeah. We have got to go. Um, and uh, again, Catherine, thank you so, so much for helping us out and talk about tension. We're going to continue to talk, touch upon these same points in the in the days to come. Um, so uh, keep coming back, keep watching. And I hope everyone is, has a chance to get to their desk today and have to a, everybody. a fantastic writing day. Thank you so much. Good luck. Sand, like a life inside the wind
you to go, but you never wonder why there is nothing here at 